Mainly Marvel, a series brought to you by Mainly Movies. Each week, Aaron, DJ, and a few special guests will go through every single movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in order to officially rank them all. Hello, I'm DJ. And I'm Aaron. And today on Mainly Marvel, we have a guest with us. So it's not just me and DJ agreeing on everything. (laughs) Our special guest today is actually my brother, Sam. What is up, Sam? What's up, Aaron? Guys, DJ, it's a privilege to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Glad to have you. Good to have you. Yeah. So today we are going to be discussing Iron Man 2. This is our third movie in the MCU. We have many more to go. So uh, without further ado, I think we get into it. Okay. Here is the plot synopsis for Iron Man 2 from Wikipedia. In Russia, the media covers Tony Stark's disclosure of his identity as Iron Man. Ivan Vanko, whose father Anton Vanko, has just died, sees this and begins building a miniature arc reactor similar to Stark's. Six months later, Stark is a superstar and uses his Iron Man suit for peaceful means, resisting government pressure to sell his designs. He reinstitutes the Stark Expo to continue his father Howard's legacy. The palladium core in the arc reactor that keeps Stark alive and powers the armor is slowly poisoning him, and he cannot find a substitute. Growing increasingly reckless and despondent about his impending death, and choosing not to tell anyone about his condition, Stark appoints his personal assistant Pepper Potts, CEO of Stark Industries, and hires Stark employee Natalie Rushman to replace her as his personal assistant. Stark competes in the Monaco Historic Grand Prix, where he is attacked in the middle of the race by Vanko, who wields electrified whips. Stark dons his Mark V armor and defeats Vanko, but the suit is severely damaged. Vanko explains his intention was to prove to the world that Iron Man is not invincible. Impressed by Vanko's performance, Stark's rival Justin Hammer fakes Vanko's death while breaking him out of prison and asks him to build a line of armored suits to upstage Stark. During what he believes is his final birthday party, Stark gets drunk while wearing the Mark IV suit. Disgusted, Stark's best friend, U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes, Rhodey, dons Stark's Mark II prototype armor and tries to restrain him. The fight ends in a stalemate, so Rhodes confiscates the Mark II for the U.S. Air Force. Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., approaches Stark, revealing Rushman to be Agent Natasha Romanoff, and that Howard Stark was a S.H.I.E.L.D. founder whom her Fury knew personally. Fury explains that Vanko's father jointly invented the arc reactor with Stark, but when Anton tried to sell it for profit, Stark had him deported. The Soviets sent Anton to the Gulag. Fury gives Stark some of his father's old material, a hidden message in the diorama of the 1974 Stark Expo, proves to be a diagram of the structure's new element. With the aid of his computer Jarvis, Stark synthesizes it. When he learns Vanko is still alive, he places the new element in his arc reactor and ends his palladium dependency. At the Expo, Hammer unveils Vanko's armored drones, led by Rhodes and a heavily weaponized version of the Mark II armor. Stark arrives in the Mark VI armor to warn Rhodes, but Vanko remotely takes control of both the drones and Rhodes' armor and attacks Iron Man. Hammer is arrested while Romanoff and Stark's bodyguard Happy Hogan go after Vanko at Hammer's factory. 
Vanko escapes, but Romanov returns control of the Mark II armor to Rhodes. Stark and Rhodes together defeat Vanko and his drones. Vanko seemingly commits suicide by blowing up his suit, along with the defeated drones. At a debriefing, Fury informs Stark that because of Stark's difficult personality, S.H.I.E.L.D. intends to use him only as a consultant. Stark and Rhodes receive medals for their heroism, and in a post credit scene, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Phil Coulson reports the discovery of a large hammer at the bottom of a crater in a desert in New Mexico. Okay, so that is the summary of what actually happened in Iron Man 2, so now we're going to discuss what we actually remembered about this plot, uh, what we kind of liked and didn't like, and uh, I guess just what stuck out on our rewatch. Um, I'd say uh, with Iron Man 2 to start out, I remember having a very satisfied vibe from the sequel whenever it mm-hmm. came out. Um, because the the first Iron Man movie I thought was phenomenal. I think everybody enjoyed it. It was a huge success. Um, and I think that, you know, usually with sequels, there's a little bit of hesitation where usually they're not as good as the first mm-hmm. one. Um, but I think that this, the second movie definitely held its own and presented a great plot and had a lot of, uh, big moments in it that, uh, I probably didn't think were as big as they were at the time. Yeah. So... I agree. I think I remember thinking it was solid for a sequel, but I also feel like I've seen so many other Marvel movies since then that I kind of, as I've seen more and more, it's kind of moved lower on the list since we've had so many Mm -hmm. basically sequels. Everything in the MCU feels like a sequel to the last movie that came before it. So... I don't know. For for me, in my mind, I was thinking this wasn't one of the stronger MCU movies going in, is what I would say. Yeah, I think I was in a similar position. Um, before watching, I was a little hesitant because it had been a long time since I'd seen the first Iron Man. And then during the rewatch, I was like, oh, man, this is fantastic. So I was a little apprehensive going up or, you know, about to watch Iron Man 2 just because I didn't remember loving it. I, I And after watching it, I think I understand why I had that feeling because, and we'll get into it as we talk about some plot things, but I think that like Tony's arc during this movie, I think that's like the redeeming quality I would get from it. And then it felt like a lot of the things around him didn't really work for me as well. Um, so I think that's why I was a little hesitant before we did the rewatch. Yeah, and I, I feel like I can't, point to a specific thing that I would have said like this is a reason why I thought of it as not as strong of a movie like it, I definitely needed to rewatch it I think mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say I think that covers kind of what we what we remembered uh moving into we've been picking out our favorite marvel scene from the movie the the scene that when you think iron man 2 this is the first thing that pops into your mind. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like an action fighting scene. I think a lot of them are going to tend to be that. But yeah, uh, DJ, let's start with you on this one. I think I already know what you think of is the Marvel scene in this one, because I know it's one of your favorites. It's not just my favorite scene in this movie. It is quite possibly one of my favorite scenes in the MCU. And that is when he uh, uses that suitcase suit. I forget which mark it is. And... It's back to a time where Iron Man's suit was actually mechanical, and it feels somewhat ridiculous to have to say that, but 
it, I mean, it's a clear, like, fix to the solution of you can't really have the suit everywhere back before the suit was basically magic. And I don't know. I, I just love that whole scene. This is the one scene that I've consistently gone back and rewatched, uh, like, clips on YouTube every now and then. And I think it holds <laughs> up, um, despite the fact that I did not remember. Um, that suit gets real beat up. Like, he does not do well <laughs> against Whiplash, but uh, I still love it. Yeah, so... Vote one for uh, the, I think they call it the football, which makes it just so fun that mm-hmm. they've got this suitcase suit that they call the football and they're like passing it around and driving it in the car trying to get it to him. Yeah. But yeah, putting on the putting on the suitcase suit is really cool. Uh, Sam, what about you? What is the Marvel scene for you? Um, I definitely, the suitcase suit uh, definitely stands out. Um, that kind of is a big key part of Iron Man too. just getting to see that. And also the, just the battle with uh, whiplash initially, I would say just for a different scene, I would say when Tony jumps out of the airplane at the very beginning and lands on the stage and slowly raises his head and you have all the little, uh, ironettes behind him, <laughs> like doing it. And they're like waving their glow hands and then Tony just casually takes off his mask and is like, it's good guess to be back. what? <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> and he calls out all of the global crime and takes credit for its reduction. So I just, I mean, it's pure Tony Stark ego right there. And it, it couldn't have been done any better. That, you know, that's a yeah. good point. But <laughs> one thing I do have to point out, why was he on that plane? The suit flies. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I I couldn't answer that. That's just so that we could add it to our favorite scenes. Oh, it makes man, it that much a, better. What a plot hole! But yeah, that's like that's got to be the most over the top superhero landing. Because mm-hmm. like he he nails the form on that landing, and then watching it again, just that had to have been such an expensive scene to shoot. No matter how much like CGI you're doing there, mm-hmm. just the production value of the stage and the lights and the iron iron nets. And there's there's never I've never been able to watch that scene and not come away with a smile on my face after seeing it because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Okay, so for mine, I would say there's there's two that specifically in my mind when I think Iron Man two. I briefly think of just, like, whiplash on that track when he's, like, starting to get his whips going, Mm -hmm. along with kind of just that whole, like, slicing the cars in half, and so that's kind of one, but I think, DJ, you kind of cover that with the suitcase suit as a part of that scene. I think the other scene that needs a shout-out is kind of the start of the final battle scene when Iron Man and War Machine are, like, Mm back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And they just both put down their masks and start going to town on all these drone robots. Yep, that's a good one. That scene was so cool. Okay, so moving along. Now we're going to go into some of the characters in the movie, starting with some of the minor characters and kind of cameo appearances we saw. So I mentioned this before we start recording, but Kate Mara's in this movie for some reason. For like a hot second, and that's about it. (laughs) Yeah, but... I was just like, Kate Morrow, what the heck? And right before that, we had uh, Olivia Munn was a reporter. She was? 
Yeah, she was in like a brief clip of just like a reporter on a TV. Okay. And I think at that time she was a reporter for whatever that game channel was. But I was just like Olivia Munn and then Kate Mara and I was like, Kate Mara? <laughs> so a couple strange little cameo things. Uh, did you guys notice Elon Musk? Where was he at? So he was at uh, the Grand Prix when they were walking around that uh, diner area. Like, getting their okay. seat and everything, and Tony kind of pulled someone aside and was just talking. It was one of those, like, fast talk scenes where everyone's talking over each other, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of moving yeah. character to character. And I don't think I would have caught it, like, the first time seeing this, definitely, just because it was so fast-paced. But he was there, and they talked about Merlin engines and yep. SpaceX. We've got to talk about Black Widow in this movie. Oh, man. I guess I didn't realize she was that... I didn't remember her being that prominent in Iron Man 2. She's got a pretty big role in this. I mean, kinda. I also don't remember how much just, like, ogling they did. Every shot with Scarlett Johansson in this movie... Like, whenever she pops into frame, they always, like, lead with her butt. And it is... It's like, guys, come on. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just didn't realize, like, how obvious that was for her starting out. That it was like, okay, here's the eye candy character. Yeah, it's... I don't it's know. Like, Sam, did you did you pick up on that at all? I, I definitely did. And I it's sad how much they misogynize her because she's a phenomenal actress. Mm-hmm. And I think she does great work like the scene of her going through the hallway and just taking out all those guys i think you see plenty of butt shots in that but i don't feel like it disrespects her character or the self-respect or image that she has but i mean just about every other scene outside of that though they lead with some sort of provocative image of her just to kind of get the viewers enticed a little bit more into the story i guess but yeah i they could have done without that yeah it's like I feel like she's progressed so much in her career, like, she would not be okay with that now. And, I mean, that's just a testament to how much she's done in these, uh, like, uh, almost 10 years or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I definitely noticed it. It was, it was somewhat upsetting. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if you guys saw, but they announced that there's going to be a Black Widow movie finally in 2020. I don't know if I need that now. <laughs> it feels like it's a little yeah. late. Yeah. Yeah, and they like made sure that they were like, well, the plot is going to be set in the past, so no spoilers for Infinity War 2, whether she makes it out or not. I don't know whether that's true or not, but we don't need to go there. Um, but we did get like her first signature, I don't know what you call that move, where she just spins all over someone and takes them down with her legs. Yeah, I think I like it better in later movies. I think they learn how to shoot it a little bit better. Um, yeah but i yeah, remember but this was definitely the first time yeah i remember that scene being like such a standout when i first watched it because we had never seen anything like that but now in pretty much any marvel movie she's in she's gonna do that move on somebody <laughs> yep yep it was just like yep she's doing her move that's mm-hmm. what black widow does okay yeah so pretty large role for uh black widow in this one i don't think they call her black widow at all yeah, so we kind of discussed in the first Iron Man 
we've got to discuss it more here. The transition from Terrence Howard as Rhodey to Don Cheadle in this movie. And they had a pretty obvious handoff in the opening scenes of this one where they're at the Senate hearing and they're like, and entering the room is Tony Stark's close friend, James Rhodey Rhodes. And he like walks up and you're like behind him the whole time. And Tony comes up to him and he's like, this is you. And he's like, yes, this is me. Or so, like some weird thing that was like clearly establishing like, this is the new roadie. Like, get used to it. But yeah, so what do you think of Don Cheadle versus Terrence Howard? DJ and I kind of talked about it, so let's get Sam's opinion. Uh, so I'm glad you asked that, because I think Terrence Howard... I went ahead and watched the first one again, just for fun. Nice. And Terrence Howard does a phenomenal job um, of playing War Machine. Uh, he's likable. Um, he's personable. Um, he's charismatic. Um, he just kind of seems like... One, like he'd be one of Tony's friends, um, but also that he kind of can carry that military persona too. Don Cheadle to me kind of seems I, I, he's much he's great for a militaristic role. Like he seems very upright and straight laced. Um, but as far as him and Tony being good buddies, I don't quite buy it as much. Um, it's just, I, I don't know what it is about Don Cheadle, but it just doesn't seem like he quite has that same level of chemistry. It seems more like they're co-workers than buddies. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think, I I mean, I really like Don Cheadle, I think, in later movies because I think they show more aspects of just them their friendship. But I, I think you're spot on. I think, especially in this movie, they don't have any just like... I don't know, scenes where they can really establish that rapport as friends in this movie. So I, I really see where you're coming from there. Yeah, and I feel like they didn't have a whole lot in the first Iron Man, but somehow Terrence Howard was able to establish that a lot faster. They didn't have a lot of that in the first movie either, but he Terrence Howard also wasn't like as much of an antagonist as uh, Don Cheadle That's was true. They're definitely more opposed in this movie. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to Pepper. Sam, I know you have some thoughts about the Tony-Pepper relationship in this one. I think she is given a lot more opportunities in this one than she was in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, that relationship definitely uh, is kind of a central part of this movie. Yeah, um, I. so this is one of those things that re-watching it, I had no idea just where Pepper starts at the movie because... At the very beginning, Tony kind of signs over the company to her and is like, you know what, you're in charge. And that shows, one, that he respects Pepper now and doesn't view her as just his secretary or, you know, go for for all of his needs. Um, he's starting to have a level of respect for her. And I think that all comes into show uh, whenever Tony comes into her office with the strawberries and she's hmm. just not having any of it. Um, it's a simple scene, but it shows that like Pepper really respects herself now. And while she still cares about Tony and cares about his life, like she's not going to derail herself quite the way that she was in the first one, you know? And so I thought that was good to see. Yeah. Um, following off some of the, just continuing talking about some of their relationships from the first one. I like that they start this movie, like not a couple, 
because I think it's very believable, you know, Tony going through this whole like very self-destructive phase. I think it's very believable that they wouldn't just, you know, be happily ever after immediately after the events of the first movie. And I think it would be easy to kind of just be like, oh, they're together now because this is a movie and attractive people go together. So I'm glad they didn't kind of just jump to that point immediately at the beginning. Yeah, me too. That's a good point. Um, they definitely, that was definitely the clearest like thread to the first movie. I feel like mm-hmm. of picking up where that one left off and continuing it. Um, so kind of flipping that relationship, let's talk about Tony. Cause he definitely has quite the journey in this movie. And sometimes I feel like they pounded that journey a little too hard. Maybe, uh, because he's just unlikable at the start of this for a while. Uh, and they kind of justify of why he's acting this way and stuff. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, Tony's journey from uh, being super narcissistic and egotistical at the start and kind of discovering his way? And really things change when he finds the element and kind of reconnects with his dad and everything but uh what do you guys think uh i'd say i think it's really interesting just to see how tony stark's character in general tends to have these big highs and lows because like he was captured in the first one and then becomes a hero and a savior and like changes his stance on weapons policies and all that and then you go to this one and he's fired up about the stark expo and all the things he's going to do with that and then he invents this new element and minimalizes all that thought process and is like, you know, I'm just a cog in the wheel and I'm going to do the best I can. And he seems much more human, much more believable by the end of it. Um, but I feel like for whatever reason, that's just kind of the dips that Tony Stark's character takes in almost every single movie he's in. Yeah, um, I think... I was a big fan of Tony's journey, kind of just up into the point where he develops the new element. But I think more just like the micro things, I really like just, I I think it's very believable that a character like Tony Stark, who, you know, did decide to do something good for the world, how all this fame is definitely going to go to his head. I can also see him being very secretive about, you know, secretly uh, dying to this palladium and not really being able to confide in anyone just because he's not that type of person. I think all that was my highlight of the movie, at least. But then, yeah, everything kind of surrounding that kind of fell a little flat for me. Um, but I mean, I just I like Tony Stark as a character. I think he's very interesting. Yeah, I like I like both of your points. I definitely think Tony Stark has been on the biggest roller coaster ride out of any character in the MCU. It seems like every movie he's in, he's got some like terrible thing that happens to him. He's got some emotional journey to go on. Uh, and he definitely has that here. I do think it was kind of strange how the thing that kind of flipped him was this element that he like created. And like once he had the cure for his reactor core that that kind of changed his personality almost and his like outlook on the world Mm -hmm. there were some things there that were kind of strange to me yeah but i i i like that they continually are 
not just letting Tony be this comfortable, like, oh, he's a leader now, he's responsible, he's not going to mess up, like, he always kind of has something that gets him. And then, like, I I really like the scene where uh, Nick Fury shows up and has to call out Tony on top of the donut and <laughs> is basically, like, having a little intervention with him in the little donut shop there. He's like, you need to get your stuff together. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a really cool scene. Yeah, but I think it'll be interesting once we have all the kind of the Tony Stark movies to kind of compare the journeys that he goes on. Because I know in Iron Man 3, like, there's a lot that happens there, too. And so it's, I think it kind of just got lost in the shuffle for me, thinking back on it. You don't divide these movies out individually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I'll be interested to see once we've kind of finished tony's journey what we think of it as a whole yeah yeah that'll that'll be good to look back on yeah so so now we come to i think probably the meatiest part of this movie which is the villain discussion because this is really i think what our opinions of the movie are going to hinge on (laughs) we've got sam rockwell as justin hammer kind of this rival uh, weapons dealer guy and he's kind of a bumbling idiot sometimes but you could consider him the overall villain of this movie because he's really the one that's utilizing Ivan Vanko. Or you could argue the other way that Vanko is utilizing Justin Hammer. Yeah, so I think this movie was definitely marketed as like Whiplash as the villain, but you end up getting a lot of this Justin Hammer uh, like defense rival stuff going on in there. So... Did that work for you guys? What what worked about it? What didn't work about it? Um, I'll go ahead and start. I really did not like Justin Hammer's character. I was not not a fan of Hammer at all. Uh, he just rubbed me the wrong way, which maybe, I mean, as far as villains, I don't think you necessarily want to like him. But I definitely did not like Hammer's character. I, I felt like Vonko was a very interesting character. I started out by writing down, is he just straight crazy, or is he actually a little bit of a genius? And it's really interesting to kind of see, because the first scenes of Vanko, you have him just, like, screaming because his father dies. But then he goes from that, he goes from that to building his own suit in, like, his garage in Russia, you know, with nothing. Whereas Tony, to build his suit, had all the technology available to him and money. So, I mean, Vanko is a little bit of a genius in the fact that he was able to create that suit, understand how it works. The only reason he seems to have been waiting was just for his father to die. And so I thought that was a little crazy. And he plans to go to the race to meet Tony, even though Tony didn't agree to step into the car until the like five minutes before the race. Vanko already had a ticket. <laughs> yeah, how did he know? Was <laughs> So uh, that's what I'm saying is either you can think that Vanko is just this crazy like Russian guy or he's a really smart like mechanical engineer. Vanko initially when I the first time I saw this movie I thought he was just crazy and a wild guy but he's very calculative and very uh, cunning I would say in what he does because his only motivation is to destroy Tony Stark. He doesn't care about anything else. He doesn't care about fame or using the technology to do any practical thing. 
He just wants to make whips, and he wants to hit Tony with them. <laughs> what explanation is there for why he would choose to use this, like, arc reactor for whips? There is none. <laughs> I, well, I thought it was because he had limited resources whenever he was building it, and so, because Tony comments yeah. on something like, why didn't you use, like, the centrifuge or something, or, like, move the cufflinks here? He critiques Vanko's design. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, Vanko really just wanted lots of power to the hands so that he could attack Tony with them. It wasn't, I don't think, a design per se. I think it was just a practical invention. Yeah, so I think my thing is, you could have gone, you could have the opinion that this movie would be better if they eliminated Hammer and just had Vanko as this, like, whiplash, he's the villain, it's Tony versus Vanko. But I feel like if you do that, it becomes less rooted in the real world, because I think Vanko's too much of just a comic book villain, of he's he's just revenge-driven, he's also a super genius, he's also, like, super strong, and I think he's a little too unbelievable, and that's why they had to have this, like, oh, well, don't forget about the real world and the defense industry and all this stuff, and they kind of tried to work that in there. I just feel like the balance of it just kind of threw off uh, some of the story of the movie. Uh, DJ, what do you think? Man. <laughs> there are there's so many scenes with just Justin Hammer and Whiplash just talking about a bird. And okay, I wanted to talk about this. I kind of remembered this from watching it the first time, but what was that about? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Because it leads you to believe that there's some deeper thing than just like a bird, right? I think it's just supposed to be funny. I think so, yeah, I but think it's, it's like supposed not, to cause... be dry humor. Yeah. Okay, so so I was confused by this and tried to look into it of what was this bird scene about. And this kind of led me to the discovery that Mickey Rourke as Vanku took this role very seriously. He went really deep. Okay. Uh to to the point of he he like visited Russian prisons what? <laughs> to learn about like Russian gangs so he could have accurate gang tattoos. And so he like personally selected all of his tattoos as whiplash. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, he came up with that. It was his idea to have the golden teeth, which he was really proud of for some reason. He basically created the look of this person. Okay. Um, he also has a specific, like, not just Russian, but he adopted a specific dialect of some type of Russian to, like, match this character for some reason. So, it, just trying to say, like, he he went all in to be Whiplash Ivan Vanko in Iron Man 2. Um, but I say that so that it doesn't surprise you when I say the bird scene was entirely his idea. Oh, no. The more the more and, you said, the more I was like, oh, no, this can't end well. Yeah, yeah. and so we kind of hit this a little bit in Iron Man, I feel like, and a little bit in Incredible Hulk of, it's been interesting for me doing this, like, slightly in-depth, like, Wikipedia-level research, 
because it shows you which of the actors really tried to kind of become the alpha male in the movie and like, oh, I'm going to improvise over here and I'm going to do these things over here. And like in the case of Robert Downey Jr., that worked incredibly well. Edward Norton, eh, not so great. And I would put Vanko in the, I don't know, because I think there are some things for him that it's like, well, he did create that character to be what it was. But it's like, also, I feel like some of the weird stuff that kind of throws off the tone of the movie could also be placed on him. Okay, so I think I've got quite a bit to say about this, because I did a little bit of research, too. Okay. So, from what I could tell, originally when this was pitched, there was only going to be one villain in Iron Man 2, and it was going to... But then they said that was too similar to our, the, like the original Iron Man, so they split it into two. And I think that's the fundamental problem I had with this movie, is that it feels like two half-villains, if that. Because... Justin Hammer, he he just sucks. And there's if you haven't rewatched Iron Man 2, you're not going to remember him, and that's fine. Ivan Vanko, I think that there is potential there. I think there, especially after the whole grandstanding that Tony Stark does during the Senate hearing, he's just like, people can't make Iron Man suits. I'm Iron Man. I'm the only one there can be. To have someone come and completely contradict that so soon afterwards, I think that could be interesting. But then, I just, I don't know what Mickey Rourke was doing, and it makes me very sad that he kind of created this character, and I don't want to, like, bash his ideas, but yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of Whiplash either, and I don't think the movie took him very seriously either. The whole confrontation between Whiplash, Iron Man, and War Machine lasts maybe a minute. <laughs> he okay, shows so up, and then the movie the final is, battle. yeah, it's yes. very underwhelming. Because I mentioned the final scene was one of the like standard, like the final battle scene, but specifically the beginning of it. Yes. Against the drones, which were very easy to destroy, but it was at least a cool action scene. Yeah, they took the them apart Vonko, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, the fight with Vonko, I didn't even remember that he. Because we were getting towards the end of the movie, and I was thinking, like, how did they defeat Whiplash? Like, I don't remember them defeating Whiplash. And it's because it takes all of 30 seconds. He shows up in yet another Iron Man-style suit. We can debate if that's a like versus like. I, it is. Okay. <laughs> but this Iron Man suit still has some, like, whips. And he, like, kind of uses those. But there's, like, kind of, like, two sequences. And then he has both War Machine and Iron Man. And they shoot each other with their hands like they did when they were fighting each other earlier. And he's, like, defeated. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that was really fast. I don't know. Sam, any thoughts? I know I know, we are of a slightly different opinion here on the villains and how they worked for us. Uh, yeah, so I mean, without without trying to get into too much of a debate, I, I liked Vanko. I thought that... I think that the biggest issue in this movie is that Justin Hammer, like, as a character, being over... A character like Vanko, in any regard, soils the villainy or the intensity or fear that you might have from his character. Because mm. the fact that Justin Hammer is in charge, I mean, it just... Yeah, because he's uh, clearly like a punchline. and He is, and he's not having, even a good one. Like Yeah, and having Whiplash associated with him. Because I think you do, like... You are pretty scared of him when he comes to the track and, like, slashes apart everything and he gets dragged away laughing. Like, 
He's pretty intimidating. Yeah, after there. he gets hit by, he got hit by a car like several like, times. Yeah, he should I mean, have been the, dead. Yeah, and his clothes, his clothes <laughs> yes. burned off his back. Like yeah. I, the the dude was intense, and then you, it's like, oh, but Justin Hammer can be in charge. Hmm. Yeah, Weenie Hut Junior over here. <laughs> <laughs> Weenie Hut Junior. But yeah, I just think having a character like that placed over or in charge or in a position of power over Vanko, who's a physicist, like, I just, surely there's someone intelligent enough who wants to team up with him and work with him. I just, I don't know. And then the other thing, too, my one criticism of Vanko, why did he leave to get in his suit to go do battle with Tony? Because he was controlling all the drones. He had hacked them all to go and battle Tony. If he was smart, he should have just left. That was my critique <laughs> of him. Like It's like, dude, you don't have anything to prove. Like, you battled him on the racetrack. You sent drones after him. Like, go build a base and take him on again when you're ready. I don't know. Yeah, the final battle just didn't make any sense. No, yeah, I don't, it didn't. I don't understand why he showed up, what he was doing, why he was so bad. And then he just self-destructs at the end. And yeah. <laughs> Tony and War Machine easily escape from that. They're like, no, we're not going to sit here with you. Sorry. Yeah, and you didn't like, really have like a reason to think that he should just be suicidal. Like, I don't know. No, after getting hit by a you. car and drug around on the racetrack, it's like, no. But now after a battle with War Machine, he's he's toast. So, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't quite follow... Uh, his energy level at the end of the movie. Yeah, guys, I honestly think we're like zero for three for like MCU climaxes so far. I have been underwhelmed by every single climax for all of these so far. Because it just, it ends up being a poorly lit CGI battle where the stakes are not where they should be. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the things we typically criticize DC for but i i mean this is marvel's first steps and i like to think that they've learned since then i guess i can't think through every villain right now but i guess that's kind of why we're doing this to Mm -hmm. see if they learned from some of their early mistakes Mm -hmm. um i do feel like vanka was a just him as a villain separate from the scene was definitely a cooler villain than I don't even remember the guy's name. Emil Blonsky. There it is from Incredible Hulk. Aaron, we. I yes, think everybody's everything's better than the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's what we're we're getting there. But uh, I, I do think Jeff Bridges was really good as uh, Obadiah Stane. Um, so yeah, it's like you have these really good character villains, but then kind of a disappointing climactic moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, we gotta move on from villains. We could spend the whole podcast talking about the villains. But I think it's pretty clear that's that's like the driving piece of this movie is what happened with those villains, what were they doing? I don't think they really ever figured out how to get Tony Stark a compelling villain. Because we'll get into Iron Man 3, and it's kind yeah, of like an amalgamation I, of Iron Man 1 and 2 villains, of someone he scorned in the past yeah. who's smart. I don't think yeah. they have any other ideas, and that's why we're probably not going to get another one, uh, you know, if Iron Man survives. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of leading us to uh, what is the impact of this movie on the MCU? Could you remove this movie from the equation? Is it a movie 
that has made a good movie just because of its relevance to the MCU, or does it stand alone? I definitely think that if you want to understand any of the characters, that this movie is very, like any of the Iron Man cast, I think it is very important to see this movie. Because if you want to understand Pepper and Tony's relationship, if you want to add any validity to that, I think this movie gives that bridge. I think Black Widow's character being established, this movie gives that bridge. I think Tony Stark's character being more human and kind of showing his tension with uh, Nick Fury for the future, uh, like the Civil War movies and stuff like that, I think this movie sets that stuff up as well. I think that there are a lot of little minor pieces like that that if you really want to understand the big picture, I feel like this movie has. Yeah, I think it's pretty strong in character development just from a quantity standpoint because you get so many characters in there. I mean, I guess I just didn't realize, like we think of Avengers as kind of the first coming together, but in this one you've got Iron Man, War Machine, Black Widow, Nick Fury... Agent Coulson, like, you've got quite a few Jarvis, I guess. Mm. Uh, But you've got some important character development going on there. Uh, As far as kind of the MCU story and where we are today, I I think the plot of this movie doesn't really advance it a whole lot until, like, the after-credits scene. Um, So, yeah, I'd I'd say it's mostly character development-based. What do you think, DJ? Um, yeah, I agree with y'all's stuff about character development, but I also don't know if it's anything that we don't either gain from Avengers or, like, Iron Man 3. So, from there, I'm not really sure. Yeah, and we'll have to see if it's like you could start Iron Man 3 and feel like you know where you're at with these characters, or if it's, yeah. Okay, um... Sam, what else did you have to add? As far as fun little tidbits, um, I don't know. I thought the beginning was good, uh, just with the press conference. Mm -hmm. I thought that was an important point. The hammer gun sale, I absolutely did not like. (laughs) Um, Anything anything with Justin Hammer, I just... And DJ said Justin Hammer sucks. I actually wrote those exact words down and underlined <laughs> nice. them three times. So and we're very much in agreement on that. Like, I know Sam Rockwell is a good actor, and I can tell he's, like, trying to play the role well. I just think the role's written terribly. I think the role just oh, uh, shouldn't have been here. Man, I mean, if I the goal know, was to have a sleazy arms dealer that I absolutely despise, I mean, he gets 100%. Like, I... He has nothing that there, there, anytime he's on the screen, I just roll my eyes. I'm like, ugh, Justin Hammer. Yeah, like, and Aaron, I don't really know, because, like, I like Sam Rockwell, but I don't know, I don't know, like, he had one line of dialogue with Mickey Rourke, and he was, like, trying to intimidate him into working on, uh, the drones or whatever, and just that weenie delivery he gives it's just like the opposite of what Jeff Bridges was yelling about. Like, Tony Stark built this in a cave. And yeah, I feel like you <laughs> need some of sort of gravitas if you're going to be giving, like, going to be threatening someone like that. And he just. Well, but the character wasn't supposed to have gravitas. He was supposed to be a weenie. Right? I agree. Like, then he I, shouldn't be allowed to 
try and threaten people. Like you, you, you need to write it a different way. <laughs> well, I yeah, I I think that seems to be the conclusion we've come to uh, overall in this movie. Uh, I don't know if we want to put everything on Hammer, but <laughs> definitely seems to be a weak point. If you wanted to point to one, uh, I could. Find a way to tie just about any negative thing to hammer in this movie. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I see. I don't know about that because the whole way Tony finds that element is absolute nonsense. <laughs> oh, it's it, yeah, that's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, and did he build a mini hadron collider? Is that what he was doing? I, we have no idea. It was not explained to us. Uh, yeah, I, the song yeah, he made, was a little strange. Uh, creating an element look very, very easy. Yeah, like I know Tony starts smart and all, but he's just like, if I just blast this laser through the house, like the tie-in that like the buildings on the diorama were the like parts of the element. Like, what? I don't know how you would ever expect. Oh yeah, how would you feel to... about that? It makes no sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It was supposed to be like an emotional moment mixed with like a funny thing of him like driving the whole thing back to his house. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've we've got to we've got to get to uh the ranking pretty soon here. Sam, if you've got a final point, you can make it. I would just say that I think uh Pepper and Tony have their first kiss at the very end of this movie. So, significant. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think they teased it in the first one. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, but the the first real one into this movie, so yeah, yeah, I think that's and that's an even bigger thing in the third Iron Man. So I don't know. This has me kind of excited to watch Iron Man three. Just to now that I've watched the first two, I feel like I'm much more fresh on the Iron Man storyline. Okay, so so we got to rank this movie. This isn't going to be much. This is. Feels like more of a formality, or at least I think it is. It is. Um, so far, we have Iron Man and Hulk on the board. In that order, Iron Man is clearly a better movie than Hulk. That is a fact. That's not an opinion. Iron Man 2, it's got to be in the middle, right, guys? Yes. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Uh, Sam, I feel like it's a little unfair because I think you have a higher opinion of Iron Man 2 than we do, slightly. Yeah, so I I do feel like for me it was better than I thought it was. DJ, I don't know if you agree. Um but in my mind it was like right there next to Hulk in the basement. There's clearly a divide between Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it's also just hard because a Hulk like that is a obviously pointless movie as far as mcu goes and yeah it's just it a really is it, it shouldn't be a part of it honestly yeah so i think it's safe to say our rankings right now number one iron man number two iron man two and number three well below it is the incredible hulk yep makes sense yeah i agree with those three for sure yeah, I think our cool. next podcast is when we're going to start losing people <laughs> when it comes to our list. Yeah, we're we're gonna it's gonna get contentious, clearly. Uh yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited. This watching a movie like this that has kind of fallen out of the back of my mind and kind of getting to form new opinions on it has me excited for the rest of these. So Sam, thanks for coming on. Uh we're gonna have you back on for Thor, our next episode. Uh, 
So I think we'll have a lot more good discussion there. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, DJ, Aaron, thank you both very much for having me on. I've had a blast. Cool. Okay, so our last thing we do here is we're going to recommend whether we think you should watch this movie as you prepare for Avengers Infinity War or if you could probably skip it. So, uh, <laughs> Sam, we'll start with you, not to start another argument. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it short. I definitely recommend it. I think it's a great movie. Um, I know there's things that people may not like, but I think there's a lot of funny moments and just good character development if you're a big Marvel fan. It's definitely worth another watch. DJ? I think you could watch like an edited version of this and you'd be good. Just <laughs> cut out any scene with... Okay, well, like you said, DJ, you've watched YouTube clips of the suitcase scene several times. Oh, yeah. If you can find snippets of this movie in YouTube form, of which I'm assuming there won't be uh, Justin Hammer and Whiplash, like their whole bird monologues. Probably not. Probably uh, not. So then that might be the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> A hammer-free Iron Man 2 on YouTube. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Iron Man clips that don't involve Justin Hammer. That's what you need to watch. <laughs> and I think that's a wrap. Okay. Well, Aaron, what did you recommend it? What what where are you thinking? I I I am of the opinion you could watch a couple YouTube clips and be fine. Yeah. Maybe the trailer. Oh yeah, I don't remember the trailer for this. I think Whiplash Whip and his whips was in there, so that's all you need. Well, yeah, that that was a good scene. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, three down. Uh, lots to go. Yes. Yeah.